Welcome to The Five Things. It's This Week in Social. We're back after a short summer break, as you know. Each week, we scour the beaches of social media and use our detectors to uncover the very best five nuggets to share with you so you can take them for all their value. Today, we have Tommy Boyce and Amanda Davis. The three of us are back together after quite a while. Hi, Amanda. How are you? How's your summer been going so far? I've had a great summer. I am excited to have some sunshine. I'm like a little plant. I just need some chlorophyll and I'm happy. And Tommy is here. Hello, Tommy. Hi, Joey. What's your favorite summer food? Ooh, that's a great question. I love baseball park hot dog. My roommate is having, he's in his Mets era. So I'm in an adjacent Mets era. And I love, I love a baseball park hot dog. Go Mets. Yeah, I remember my my Mets era as well. And my favorite summer food is watermelon for sure. Anyway, I'm Joey Scarillo and here are the five things. First up, Tommy tells us about the latest in the Elon Twitter saga. We'll dive into all of that. Then Amanda gets into Reddit selling collectible avatar NFTs. Tommy talks TikTok and their small business training program. Amanda breaks down Instagram expanding AR elements with stories. And finally, Tommy takes us home with Twitter launching collaborative tweets. All right, Tommy, kick things off with us. Give us the Elon Musk of it all. Oh boy. So... Earlier last week, it was revealed that our favorite Twitter user, Elon Musk, filed paperwork attempting to exit the $44 billion deal of acquiring Twitter. Musk's team claimed he was terminating the deal because Twitter was in, quote, material breach of their agreement and had made false and misleading statements during negotiations. This is in reference to his repeated claim that Twitter released misleading stats about the prevalence of spam bots on the platform. You know, the straw man of all straw men. And so last week for a shining moment, I thought that this whole episode was over and that we on the Five Things team would be on the right side of history. Then... Twitter's lawyers basically threw down a reverse Uno card into the mix, saying that the deal was still on and actually filing a letter saying that Musk's termination attempt is invalid because Musk and other Musk parties have knowingly, intentionally, willfully, and materially breached the agreement. It's a lot of lot of leads, a lot of going on in there. So in layman's terms, the girls are fighting. And this question of who is actually in material breach of their deal could decide which party owes the other party a lot of money. Some have suggested that this entire episode of trying to exit the deal is actually an attempt by Musk to put Twitter at a disadvantage with a falling share price. The price actually dropped by 11% after the news of Musk attempting to exit the deal was announced so that he could buy it for considerably less than the $54 price mark it was originally valued at. The thing is, Musk cannot get out of the deal just because one of Twitter's representations is false. He still has to close the deal unless the representation is false and it would have a, quote, material adverse effect on Twitter. This is a famously underdefined term, but it generally needs to be a pretty catastrophic effect. Say that the court concludes that Musk's pretexts are not good enough to get him out of the deal. He still has to close the deal unless the representation is false and it would have, quote, a material adverse effect on Twitter, a famously underdefined term but generally need to have a pretty catastrophic effect on the platform. Say that the platform was actually lying about the number of spam bots to advertisers and lying to advertisers about the data on the platform, things like that. So if the court concludes that Musk's pretexts are not good enough to get him out of the deal, there are two possible outcomes for what could happen, and they are very different. First, Musk might have to pay a $1 billion 
reverse termination fee for unjustifiably walking away from the deal. So $1 billion, a lot of money, but you know, maybe not the biggest drop in the bucket for the richest man in the world. Or the court might order specific performance, meaning that Musk would have to fund his entire equity commitment and buy Twitter. So he could be forced to buy Twitter. There's a lot to unpack here. And there isn't much to do now, but wait and see. But I think everyone involved in the app in some way needs to keep their eye on this because there is a real chance that Musk would have to fund the multi-billion dollar deal and buy Twitter, meaning that a very angry Elon Musk would own a platform that at this point he specifically does not want to own. You know, life's so fun, life's so fun, all that jazz. This is going to be very interesting. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. Yeah, it's funny. The last thing you said there, Tommy, made me think of this. I wonder, Amanda, if you would agree with this, does it feel like Twitter is trying to make an example out of Musk and just kind of saying like, whether it was serious or not, you can't just come to us and say you're going to buy a major company. Do you kind of feel like maybe they're trying to put a penalty on him? I think they are trying to put a penalty on him. They've also made it a point to call out how people are using tweets in almost a business sense. I also want to bring us back to 2018 when Elon Musk, as the head of Tesla, tweeted that he was going to take Tesla private and had funding secured to do so. He tweeted this as if it were a press release or something that would need to go through additional scrutiny. The SEC obviously was very unhappy with that. Things like this public statements around publicly traded companies like Twitter and Tesla have implications when there are stock impacts, when stock prices change, when someone tweets something that is incorrect, not approved or otherwise invalidated. So I think it's not only Elon Musk throwing Twitter's name through the mud a little bit in all of the conversations that happened after the initial offer to buy Twitter, but also the idea of responsibility in what you're tweeting. There are a couple of tweets that Elon Musk has sent about Twitter in the last few weeks and months that were not accurate and not validated that had data that, again, to shareholders might be very misleading. So one, I think you're right, Joey, he's, he's being made an example of. But two... The reality is that you have to be responsible for the information that you're tweeting. This isn't just a fly by the seat of your pants, throw something out there and there's no real world implications. It needs to actually be responsible. So what effects do you think this is going to actually have on, let's say, the platform, the users, and I mean, ultimately, advertisers too, Tommy? If the deal does not go through, I think what's going to happen is maybe a reexamination of Twitter. I think Twitter, unfortunately, has had its name run through the mud a little bit in the past few weeks, given all the scrutiny about spam bots. I've seen reports of advertisers leaving the platform because of these allegations by Musk that to this point have not been proven to be true. And so without the deal going through, I wonder what the future of the platform will be in terms of trying to reattract these advertisers and users, because again, its stock price has been going down from this whole sort of Elon Musk ordeal. And then if the deal does go through and Musk purchased Twitter, I wonder then if we might see some drastic changes happen, the kind that he promised about, you know, either an edit button or maybe this is all a bit that got out of hand that doesn't want to follow through. Maybe he tanks Twitter. I have no idea actually what's going to happen from this. But all I can think of now is just keeping... It's it's so important nowadays to keep an eye on the behind the scenes of platforms, for better or for worse, to know the internal politics of what's going on. And this is a great aid example because this outcome is going to really affect not just how advertisers use it, but the way that material users actually use it in the day to day. If I may, can we can we think big here and and get a little conspiratorial? And and who knows? Maybe maybe I'll be eating these words, or maybe I'm a genius. But isn't it a little convenient 
that Elon Musk is like a new friend of Trump and Trump has his own platform, Truth Social, that is very much the same thing as Twitter. Amanda, am I am I am I way out in left field? Tommy, what do you guys think? I personally think you're a little bit out in left field. But I will also say I think that between the recent news and back and forth between Trump and Elon, between these SEC, I'm sure investigations that will come into impacts on stock prices, I think we will see a rise in what does policy look like? We saw this obviously with the last election of misinformation. What is fake news? How do we create policy and control over information that's shared on the platform? So while you may be correct, Joey, I do think that what we will see going into another election season, especially is more of a diligence and specific conversation around the impacts of the information, the impacts of free speech, what is okay, what is not okay, and how do we start to manage the implications of those things? All right. Well, we will definitely keep an eye and an ear on all of this Elon Musk drama. It's so entertaining for us. Let's jump over to Amanda talking to us about Reddit and how they are going to sell collectible Avatar NFTs. All right. So first, I'm going to go through this announcement and then I'm going to talk a little bit about the announcement itself. First, I want to say Reddit is launching collectible avatar NFTs in a marketplace that they are revealing on the platform. It's going to be blockchain backed. They're going to be based on the Polygon platform and it's going to feature different versions of the site's mascot named Snoo. So essentially, this is a profile pic collection, a PFP collection in which there's a lot of different versions of avatars. They have different features. You can mix and match and owners will be able to use these images as their Reddit avatar and get gear and accessories that they can then add on to their avatar as an expression of themselves. So this is not in itself a very unique thought. This is things that we've seen within the NFT community and with other launches that we've seen on Instagram and Facebook. But what I will say is really interesting is that they've made this announcement without actually using the phrase NFTs. So we will go into a little bit of the context and culture in just a second. But I want to talk about how these avatars are being used on the platform. So these avatars are going to first be offered to members of the subreddit collectible avatars, which I should mention is invite only. So it's a bit of an exclusive club. These avatars will give the owners perks and benefits as time goes by and more features get added to it. And people that use these profile images will have a glow-like effect on their avatar when they show up in comment sections or places on the platform. So again, these avatars being in limited quantities, first available to a unique audience to be able to get the avatar that they want first and then eventually available to the public. So I do want to talk a little bit about how they do not use the word NFTs in this launch because obviously there was a huge spike in the NFT and crypto conversation last year. And my personal belief is that they wanted to focus more on the technology and the use of blockchain in how it can enable communities, loyalty programs, rewards programs on the internet without feeling like they're necessarily hitching on to the NFT conversation and culture as it exists. Last thing I want to add, this is an extension of an initiative that Reddit started in May 2020, so two years ago, called Reddit Points, which was a blockchain-based rewards program where people could sign up for a wallet and get rewarded for good content that they put on the platform. Again, well ahead of their time, before NFTs became a craze, before the blockchain was really part of most people's mainstream conversation. But again, and a long-running extension of how brands and communities can use blockchain to create rewards and gamify you know, content creation creation and interaction on the platform. 
Amanda, you may have mentioned this. Is this a program that you have to pay to get into? Yes, there's different tiers of purchase options. I think that starts around $9.99. And I believe it goes up to $60 or $70, depending on the level of rarity of the NFT that you want. So it's not dissimilar to something like a private membership program or a club or a fraternity that gives you access to other like-minded members, access to resources, events, news, connections within your industry. So it is a lot of how NFT projects are already being used in created, but mimics that project Web3 approach that we can already see happening in NFTs. But again, Reddit is shying away from calling it an NFT project for cultural reasons, I would imagine, and specifically because there are a lot of people in the mainstream vernacular that maybe aren't as familiar with NFTs and what their technical applications are and kind of associate it with with a hype idea. Right, right. It's almost like when I hear the word NFT, I sort of ignore it, but this is still like a an easier way in. Tommy, you know, a lot of brands are doing rewards programs these days. Do you think this is like right down the lane for Reddit? Does this appeal to their user base? I think it does. Yeah. I mean, they were early in monetizing community almost. You think of Reddit Gold, which was a very early way of tipping people, just giving someone more features, more community, more access to the platform for performing, you know, either let's say a net good or a funny comment, a thing like that. So it's built into the ethos of the platform, this idea of community engagement and using subscription tools or using monetization in that way. So I think this new extension of NFT technology as a way to further this idea, I mean, Reddit is moving more towards this idea of community with the actual, they're renaming things as community now is right on the money. I think it's great that they're really trying to emphasize the potential of the platform rather than trying to sort of grab onto the name of NFT or that sort of thing. It seems that they really have their kind of mind in the right place. So I think this is a great new extension. I think it's right for what they're trying to achieve and try to build for their platform. Yeah, I think it's been a long running theme that we have patted Reddit on the back for all the programs and things that they do. All right, Tommy, let's jump over and talk about TikTok offering a new small business training program. Tell us about that. So TikTok is rolling out a new program aimed at bringing more small and medium-sized businesses to the platform. The six-week program called Follow Me includes step-by-step guides teaching businesses how to use TikTok to grow their companies, including how to advertise on the app. The courses are free to enroll in and will include lessons on running campaigns on TikTok and tips from businesses using the platform. So some context, in the past few months, TikTok has introduced more and more ways for creators to make money through advertising on the platform. And many of the companies said it would begin sharing ad revenue with creators who get 50% when ads run alongside top-performing videos. Shortly after, TikTok announced Brand Admission, a feature that allows advertisers to solicit videos from creators who essentially make content on spec with selected posts being used as ads. And this whole campaign and program makes total sense for TikTok. They're trying to position themselves as not just a place where creators as influencers can come and make a career, but also where creators as businesses owners, as businesses owners, but also as a place where creators as business owners can sell their products and create a community around their brand. Virtually unknown businesses or products going viral is one of the hallmarks of TikTok. It's the rare platform where, you know, a visit to a club in the Lower East Side and a video of a rug being made, the same chance of being seen 
by millions. And many small business owners have already turned to TikTok to promote their companies. And individual customers have in turn built enormous platforms themselves through you know product reviews, recommendations, tutorials. There's a whole ecosystem for it. Again, I love rug talk where people make and sell rugs. And that actual like community has almost 1 billion views. So the appetite is there. So I think TikTok's new courses could onboard more businesses trying to chase this viral success the platform offers and turn them into advertisers. I'm excited to see if what content and what sort of experimentation and innovation comes out of it. Yeah, it's really impressive that TikTok has gone all in on creating a suite of tools for businesses of all kinds and sizes. Amanda, have you seen anything like this from any other platform before focusing specifically on small businesses like this? I think other platforms have attempted to open access to their resources, but generally fall behind either an investment paywall for paid media or needing some kind of higher level relationship with the platform. And while that's changing on other platforms, I think the other context culturally that's interesting is that every year, especially since the pandemic started, we're seeing double digit growth into entrepreneurship. People starting their own business, launching their own products, being their own boss, having their own marketing approach and calendar. And I think TikTok is is paying attention to that and tailoring their offering, making it more accessible for these smaller products and smaller businesses to access advertising and marketing. And again, not being particularly precious about that needing to be unlocked through a media investment or a specific relationship. Yeah, I think this is great. All right, Amanda, let's jump over to Instagram now, expanding their AR elements within stories. I think this is a fun one. So why don't you break it down for us? AR. I love AR. AR is my favorite thing in 2022. And I'll start by saying AR augmented reality is not new technology. We all remember, you know, Pokemon Go and the technology that we experienced through the pandemic of being able to put an Ikea couch in your apartment. What's interesting now is Instagram is paying attention to how this technology is just advancing incredibly rapidly. It's testing new AR stickers and Instagram stories, which basically allow you to place 3D objects in real world locations and scenes. Again, this is basically the use of AR, but it's pretty new for Instagram. Snapchat has had a similar feature called World Lenses, where you can essentially pin 3D stickers into your environment around you and they'll stay in place. And then obviously Instagram has had 2D stickers being able to be pinned in your environment if you move. I will say that feature has never been incredibly advanced or super capable. So I think that this should be a big step in how they're actually seeing 3D and AR work together in the way that people are capturing content. So the other part of this announcement is also that they are bringing in their NFT display options, which allows users to see in AR, as they call it, where you can take an NFT that you've purchased and perhaps place it through the camera lens on your wall or somewhere in your environment and start to see how these objects can actually interact with the real world around you. The obvious assumption is that Instagram's focus on shopping, on digital goods, on NFTs, this will eventually expand into things like being able to see shoes on yourself or furniture in your home and things like that. So I think this is a big step for Instagram to finally implement this after a few years of the technology being available. But again, understanding how they are bringing in their marketplace, how they're bringing in the capabilities and experiences of what people are actually using Instagram stories to do. I'm really intrigued to see how all these pieces start to come together. Yeah, it sounds like it could be really cool. Tommy, I don't know if you got a chance to take a look at what the UI looks like, but do you think that there's like a real use case for this? Do you you think you could see yourself putting 
you know, an augmented background or an augmented image in your in your Instagram stories? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've been seeing a lot of people testing new features in their stories. I mean, I'm seeing the anonymous questions stories happen all over, which as someone who went through that in middle school gives me PTSD. I'm not I'm not engaging. I'm going to watch the sidelines for that one. But I think people like trying these new sort of things. I mean, we've seen the success of it on Snapchat. Instagram obviously has seemed to follow in the footsteps of Snapchats in occasion with stories. And so I feel like the appetite again is there. And I guess I can certainly see people try to use this in the future and integrate it to their sort of use case for how they approach Instagram. Yeah, it could be kind of fun. All right. Well, speaking of fun, let's go to our fifth and final thing. We're going to talk about Twitter launching collaborative tweets. Tommy, can you please explain this new phenomenon? So it looks like Twitter is sort of following in the footsteps of Instagram and Facebook and getting in on this collaboration trend by launching collaborative tweets. So the new co-tweeting process, which is now in limited testing, enables users to invite another account to contribute to a single tweet. And this tweet would be featured on the timelines of both parties involved and show up on both of their profiles. That's kind of it, as far as the future goes, basically it's the same thing as collaborating on Instagram. You know, see both usernames, the tweet, you're invited to collaborate on it. You can probably text outside to make the process the one person actually drafts it. And also noteworthy circles has also been expanding to more and more users. So start to see everyone form their own little private group to send their most incoherent tweets to. That'll be fun. And I'm all for this new wave of collaborative features. This new one looks like it could be useful for, you know, influencer collaborations and cross promotions as a way to facilitate reach to audiences of both users and the app. It could also be a great way for people crediting original creators. Say that you post an image or meme created by an artist or some kind of content creator. You could let them know that you're sharing it and ask them to approve it as a way of collaborating and then actually have the collaboration as a tweet which would be great because their profile would be exposed to a whole different audience. So I think that brands should definitely take note of this. It's a very seamless way to connect to new audiences and again, just get more eyes on your content. And for all the power Twitter users listening to this, it could be a great way to bring awareness to artists you like and help build their audience as well. So it seems like it's a win-win. Have either of you collaborated on a tweet yet? I don't have it. I don't have that or circles. And for the amount I talk about Twitter on this podcast, I feel like I should have at least one of them. So if anyone's listening from Twitter, let me know. Someday, someday. Something to aspire to. All right, friends. Well, that does it for us this week. If you don't already, please be sure to follow us, share us, write to us with your questions, comments, concerns, points of interest, complaints, or even a thing that you want us to talk about. Email us at podcasts at gray.com. Of course, I want to thank Tommy and Amanda for joining us. And thanks to Dan. Danielle Hunt, Amanda Fuentes, and the crew over at Gramercy Park Studios behind the scenes. Thank you, listener. And I hope you're enjoying your summer. And please be social. The Five Things are written and researched by the Social and Connections team at Gray New York. Produced by Joey Scarillo and Danielle Hunt. Mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Guy Rosemarin and Amanda Fuentes. With post-production support from Ned Martin. Additional support by John Jenkinson, Christina Hyde, and Liz McGovern. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.